0: Chapter 37 of Commentary on the Book of Genesis This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel Commentary on the Book of Genesis by Matthew Henry, Chapter 37 At this chapter begins the story of Joseph, who, in every subsequent chapter but one to the end of this book, makes the greatest figure he was jacob's eldest son by his beloved wife rachel born as many eminent men were of a mother that had been long barren his story is so remarkably divided between his humiliation and his exaltation that we cannot avoid seeing something of christ in it who was first humbled and then exalted and in many instances so as to answer the type of joseph it also shows the lot of christians who must through many tribulations enter into the kingdom in this chapter we have roman one the malice his brethren bore against him they hated him one because he informed his father of their wickedness verses one to two two because his father loved him verses three to four three because he dreamed of his dominion over them verses five to eleven roman two the mischiefs his brothers designed and did to him one the kind visit he made them gave them an opportunity verses twelve to seventeen 2. They designed to slay him, but determined to starve him, verses 18 to 24. 3. They changed their purpose and sold him for a slave, verses 25 to 28. 4. They made their father believe that he was torn to pieces, verses 29 to 35. 5. He was sold into Egypt to Potiphar, verse 36. And all this was working together for good. The History of Joseph, B.C. 1729 Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 4. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being seventeen years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhal, and with the sons of Zilpha, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. Moses has no more to say of the Edomites unless they happen to fall in Israel's way. But now he applies himself closely to the story of Jacob's family. These are the generations of Jacob. His is not a bare, barren genealogy as that of Esau, chapter 36, verse 1. But a memorable, useful history. Here is one: Jacob, a sojourner with his father Isaac, who was yet living. Verse one: We shall never be at home till we come to heaven. Two: Joseph, a shepherd, feeding the flock with his brethren. Verse two: Though he was his father's darling, yet he was not brought up in idleness or delicacy. Those do not truly love their children that do not inure them to business and labor and mortification. The fondling of children is with good reason commonly called the spoiling of them those that are trained up to do nothing are likely to be good for nothing three joseph beloved by his father verse three partly for his dear mother's sake that was dead and partly for his own sake because he was the greatest comfort of his old age probably he waited on him and was more observant of him than the rest of his sons he was the son of the ancient to some that is when he was a child he was as grave and discreet as if he had been an old man a child but not childish jacob proclaimed his affection to him by dressing him finer than the rest of his children he made him a coat of divers colours which probably was significant of further honours intended him Note, though those children are happy that have that in them which justly recommends them to their parents particular love Yet it is the prudence of parents not to make a difference between one child and another unless there be a great and manifest cause given for it by the child's dutifulness or undutifulness parental government must be impartial and managed with a steady hand. For Joseph hated by his brethren, one because his father loved him when parents make a difference children soon take notice of it and it often occasions feuds and quarrels in families. Two because he brought to his father their evil report. Jacob's sons did that, when they were from under his eye, which they durst not have done, if they had been at home with him. But Joseph gave his father an account of their bad carriage, that he might reprove and restrain them, not as a malicious tale-bearer to sow discord, but as a faithful brother, who, when he durst not admonish them himself, represented their faults to one that had authority to admonish them. Note, 1. It is common for friendly monitors to be looked upon as enemies— those that hate to be reformed hate those that would reform them, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 8. 2. It is common for those that are beloved of God to be hated by the world. Whom heaven blesses, hell curses. To those whom God speaks comfortably, wicked men will not speak peaceably. It is said here of Joseph, the lad was with the sons of Bilhah. Some read it, and he was servant to them. They made him their drudge verses five to eleven and joseph dreamed a dream and he told it his brethren and they hated him yet more and he said unto them here i pray you this dream which i have dreamed for behold we were binding sheaves in the field and lo my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf and his brethren said unto him shalt thou indeed reign over us or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us and they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it his father, and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come and bow ourselves to thee, to the earth? And his brethren envied them but his father observed the saying here one joseph relates the prophetical dreams he had verses six seven nine and ten though he was now very young about seventeen years old yet he was pious and devout and well inclined and this fitted him for god's gracious discoveries of himself to him joseph had a great deal of trouble before him and therefore god gave him betimes this prospect of his advancement to support and comfort him under the long and grievous troubles with which he was to be exercised thus christ had a joy set before him and so have christians Note, god has ways of preparing his people beforehand for the trials which they cannot foresee but which he has an eye to in the comforts with which he furnishes them his dreams were one that his brethren sheaves all bowed to his intimating upon what occasion they should be brought to do homage to him, namely, in seeking to him for corn, their empty sheaves, should bow to his full one. 2. That the sun and moon and eleven stars did obeisance to him. Verse 9. Joseph was more of a prophet than a politician, else he would have kept this to himself, when he could not but know that his brethren did already hate him, and that this would but the more exasperate them. But if he told in his simplicity, yet God directed it for the mortification of his brethren, observe, Joseph dreamed of his preferment, but he did not dream of his imprisonment. Thus many young people, when they are setting out in the world, think of nothing but prosperity and pleasure, and never dream of trouble. 2. His brethren take it very ill, and are more and more enraged against him. Verse eight, Shalt thou indeed reign over us? See here. One, how truly they interpreted his dream that he should reign over them; those become the expositors of his dream who were enemies to the accomplishment of it, as in Gideon's story, Judges chapter seven, verses thirteen and fourteen. They perceived that he spoke of them, Matthew chapter twenty-one, verse forty-five. The event exactly answered to this interpretation, chapter forty-two, verse six, etc. Two, how scornfully they resented it shalt thou, who are but one, reign over us who are many, thou who art the youngest over us who are older. Note, the reign and dominion of Jesus Christ, our Joseph, have been, and are, despised and striven against by a carnal and unbelieving world, who cannot endure to think that this man should reign over them. The dominion also of the upright, in the morning of the resurrection, is thought of with the utmost disdain. 3. His father gives him a gentle rebuke for it, yet observes the saying, verses 10 and 11. Probably he checked him for it, to lessen the offense which his brethren would be apt to take at it, yet he took notice of it more than he seemed to do. He insinuated that it was but an idle dream, because his mother was brought in, who had been dead some time since, whereas the sun, moon, and eleven stars signify no more than the whole family that should have dependence upon him and be glad to be beholden to him. Note, the faith of God's people in God's promises is often sorely shaken by their misunderstanding of the promises, and then suggesting the improbabilities that attend the performance. But God is doing his own work, and will do it, whether we understand him aright or no. Jacob, like Mary, Luke chapter 2 verse 51, kept these things in his heart, and no doubt remembered them long afterwards, when the event answered to the prediction. Verses twelve to twenty two And his brethren went to feed their father's flock at Shechem, and Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock at Shechem? Come, and I will send thee unto them. And he said to him, Here am I. And he said to him, Go, I pray thee, seek whether it be well with thy brethren, and well with the flocks, and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the Vale of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. And a certain man found him, and, behold, he was wandering in the field, and the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? And he said, I seek my brethren, tell me, I pray thee, where they feed their flocks. And the man said, They are departed hence, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. And Joseph went after his brethren, and found them at Dothan. And when they saw him afar off, even before he came near unto them, they conspired against him to slay him. And they said one to another, Behold, the dreamer cometh. Come now, therefore, and let us slay him, and cast him into some pit, and we will say, Some evil beast hath devoured him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. And Reuben heard of it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said unto them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit that is in the wilderness, and lay no hand upon him, that he might rid him out of their hands, to deliver him again to his father. Here is 1 the kind visit which joseph in obedience to his father's command made to his brethren who were feeding the flock at shechem many miles off some suggest that they went thither on purpose expecting that joseph would be sent to see them and that then they should have an opportunity to do him mischief however joseph and his father had both of them more of the innocence of the dove than of the wisdom of the serpent else he had never come thus into the hands of those that hated him but god designed it all for good see in joseph an instance one of dutifulness to his father though he was his father's darling yet he was made and was willing to be his father's servant how readily does he wait his father's orders here i am verse 13 note those children that are best beloved by their parents should be most obedient to their parents and then their love is well bestowed and well returned Two of kindness to his brethren. Though he knew they hated him and envied him, yet he made no objections against his father's commands, either from the distance of the place or danger of the journey, but cheerfully embraced the opportunity of showing his respect to his brethren. Note. It is a very good lesson, though it is learnt with difficulty and rarely practiced, to love those that hate us. If our relations do not their duty to us, yet we must not be wanting in our duty to them. This is thankworthy Joseph, who was sent by his father to shechem to see whether his brethren were well there and whether the country had not risen upon them and destroyed them in revenge of their barbarous murder of the shechemites some years before but joseph not finding them there went to dothan which showed that he undertook this journey not only in obedience to his father for then he might have returned when he missed them at shechem having done what his father told him but out of love to his brethren and therefore he sought diligently till he found them thus let brotherly love continue and let us give proofs of it two the bloody and malicious plot of his brethren against him who rendered good for evil and for his love were his adversaries observe one how deliberately they were in the contrivance of this mischief when they saw him afar off they conspired against him verse eighteen it was not in a heat or upon a sudden provocation that they thought to slay him but from malice prepense and in cold blood note whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer for he will be one if he have an opportunity first john chapter 3 verse 15 malice is a most mischievous thing and is in danger of making bloody work where it is harbored and indulged the more there is of a project and contrivance in a sin the worse it is it is bad to do evil but worse to devise it 2. How cruel they were in their design, nothing less than blood would satisfy them. Come and let us slay him, verse 20. Note, the old enmity hunts for the precious life. It is the bloodthirsty that hate the upright, Proverbs chapter 29, verse 10. And it is the blood of the saints that the harlot is drunk with. 3. How scornfully they reproached him for his dreams, verse 19. This dreamer cometh, and verse 20 we shall see what will become of his dreams. This shows what it was that fretted and enraged them. They could not endure to think of doing homage to him. This was what they were plotting to prevent by the murder of him. Note, men that fret and rage at God's counsels are impiously aiming to defeat them, but they imagine a vain thing. Psalm 2, verses 1 to 3. God's counsels will stand. 4 how they agreed to keep one another's counsel, and to cover the murder with a lie. We will say, some evil beast hath devoured him, whereas in thus consulting to devour him they proved themselves worse than the most evil beasts, for evil beasts prey not on those of their own kind, but they were tearing a piece of themselves. 3. Reuben's project to deliver him, verses 21 to 22. Note, God can raise up friends for his people, even among their enemies, for he has all hearts in his hands. Reuben, of all the brothers, had most reason to be jealous of Joseph, for he was the firstborn, and so entitled to those distinguishing favors which Jacob was conferring on Joseph. Yet he proves his best friend. Reuben's temper seems to have been soft and effeminate, which had betrayed him to the sin of uncleanness, while the temper of the next two brothers, Simeon and Levi, was fierce, which betrayed them to the sin of murder, a sin which Reuben startled at the thought of Note, our natural constitution should be guarded against those sins to which it is most inclinable and improved as Reuben's here against those sins to which it is most averse reuben made a proposal which they thought would effectually answer their intention of destroying joseph and yet which he designed should answer his intention of rescuing joseph out of their hands and restoring him to his father probably hoping thereby to recover his father's favor, which he had lately lost. But God overruled all to serve his own purpose of making Joseph an instrument to save much people alive. Joseph was here a type of Christ. Though he was the beloved son of his father and hated by a wicked world, yet the father sent him out of his bosom to visit us in great humility and love. He came from heaven to earth to seek and save us, yet then malicious plots were laid against him. He came to his own, and his own not only received him not, but consulted against him. This is the heir, come, let us kill him, crucify him, crucify him. This he submitted to, in pursuance of his design to redeem and save us. Verses 23-30 to 30. And it came to pass, when Joseph was coming unto his brethren, that they stripped Joseph out of his coat, his coat of many colors that was on him, and they took him and cast him into a pit and the pit was empty there was no water in it and they sat down to eat bread and they lifted up their eyes and looked and behold a company of ishmaelites come from gilead with their camels bearing spicery and balm and myrrh going to carry it down to egypt and judah said unto his brethren what profit is it if we slay our brother and conceal his blood come and let us sell him to the ishmaelites and not let our hand be upon him for he is our brother and our flesh and his brethren were content then there passed by midianite merchantmen and they drew and lifted up joseph out of the pit and sold joseph to the ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver and they brought joseph into egypt and reuben returned unto the pit and behold joseph was not in the pit and he rent his clothes and he returned unto his brethren and said the child is not and i whither shall i go we have here the execution of their plot against joseph one they stripped him each striving to seize the envied coat of many colours verse 23 thus in imagination they degraded him from the birthright of which perhaps this was the badge grieving him affronting their father and making themselves sport while they insulted over him now joseph where is thy fine coat thus our lord jesus was stripped of his seamless coat and thus his suffering saints have first been industriously divested of their privileges and honors, and then made the off-scouring of all things. 2. They went about to starve him, throwing him into a dry pit, to perish there with hunger and cold, so cruel were their tender mercies, verse 24. Note, where envy reigns, pity is banished, and humanity itself is forgotten, Proverbs chapter 27, verse 4. So full of deadly poison is malice, that the more barbarous anything is, the more grateful it is now joseph begged for his life in the anguish of his soul chapter 42 verse 21 entreated by all imaginable endearments that they would be content with his coat and spare his life he pleads innocence relation affection submission he weeps and makes supplication but all in vain reuben alone relents and intercedes for him chapter 42 verse 22 but he cannot prevail to save joseph from the horrible pit in which they resolve he shall die by degrees and be buried alive is this he to whom his brethren must do homage note god's providences often seem to contradict his purposes even when they are serving them and working at a distance toward the accomplishment of them three they slighted him when he was in distress and were not grieved for the affliction of joseph for when he was pining away in the pit bemoaning his own misery and with a languishing cry calling to them for pity they sat down to eat bread verse 25 1 they felt no remorse of conscience for the sin if they had it would have spoiled their appetite for their meat and the relish of it note a great force put upon conscience commonly stupefies it and for the time deprives it both of sense and speech daring sinners are secure ones but the consciences of joseph's brethren though asleep now were roused long afterwards chapter 43, verse 21. 2. They were pleased to think how they were freed from the fear of their brother's dominion over them, and that, on the contrary, they had turned the wheel upon him. They made merry over him, as the persecutors over the two witnesses that had tormented them. Revelations, chapter 11, verse 10. Note, those that oppose God's counsels may possibly prevail so far as to think they have gained their point, and yet be deceived. 4. 4 they sold him a caravan of merchants very opportunely passed by providence so ordering it and judah made the motion that they should sell joseph to them to be carried far enough off into egypt where in all probability he would be lost and never heard of more one judah proposed it in compassion to joseph verse twenty six what profit is it if we slay our brother it will be less guilt and more gain to sell him Note, when we are tempted to sin, we should consider the unprofitableness of it. It is what there is nothing to be got by. 2. They acquiesced in it, because they thought that if he were sold for a slave, he would never be a lord. If sold into Egypt, he would never be their lord. Yet all this was working towards it. Note. The wrath of man shall praise God, and the remainder of wrath he will restrain. Psalm 76, verse 10. Joseph's brethren were wonderfully restrained from murdering him, and their selling him was as wonderfully turned to God's praise. As Joseph was sold by contrivance of Judah for twenty pieces of silver, so was our Lord for thirty, and by one of the same name too, Judas. Reuben, it seems, had gone away from his brethren when they sold Joseph, intending to come round some other way to the pit and to help Joseph out of it, and return him safely to his father. This was a kind project, but if it had taken effect, what had become of God's purpose concerning His preferment in Egypt? Note: There are many devices in man's heart, many devices of the enemies of God's people to destroy them, and of their friends to help them, which perhaps are both disappointed, as these were. But the counsel of the Lord that shall stand. Reuben thought himself undone because the child was sold. I, whither shall I go? Verse thirty. He being the eldest, his father would expect from him an account of Joseph, but, as it proved, they would all have been undone if he had not been sold. Verses 31-36 to 36. And they took Joseph's coat, and killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the coat in the blood. And they sent the coat of many colors, and they brought it to their father, and said, This we have found. Know now whether it be thy son's coat or No and he knew it, and said, It is my son's coat, an evil beast hath devoured him. Joseph is without doubt rent in pieces. And Jacob rent his clothes, and put sackcloth upon his loins, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and his daughters rose up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted, and said, For I will go down into the grave unto my son mourning. Thus his father wept for him. And the Midianites sold him into Egypt unto Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh's and captain of the guard one joseph would soon be missed great inquiry would be made for him and therefore his brethren have a further design to make the world believe that joseph was torn into pieces by a wild beast and this they did one to clear themselves that they might not be suspected to have done him any mischief note we have all learned of adam to cover our transgression job chapter thirty one verse thirty three when the devil has taught men to commit one sin, he then teaches them to conceal it with another, theft and murder, with lying and perjury. But he that covers his sin shall not prosper long. Joseph's brethren kept their own and one another's counsel for some time, but their villainy came to light at last, and it is here published to the world, and the remembrance of it transmitted to every age. 2. To grieve their good father. It seemed designed by them on purpose to be revenged upon him for his distinguishing love of Joseph. It was contrived on purpose to create the utmost vexation to him. They sent him Joseph's coat of many colors, with one color more than it had had, a bloody color, verse 32. They pretended that they had found it out in the fields, and Jacob himself must be scornfully asked, Is this thy son's coat? Now the badge of his honor is the discovery of his fate and it is rashly inferred from the bloody coat that joseph without doubt is rent in pieces love is always apt to fear the worst concerning the person beloved there is a love that casteth out fear but that is perfect love now let those that know the heart of a parent suppose the agonies of poor jacob and put their souls into his soul's stead how strongly does he represent to himself the direful idea of joseph's misery sleeping or waking he imagines he sees the wild beast setting upon joseph thinks he hears his piteous shrieks when the lion roared against him and makes himself tremble and grow chill many a time when he fancies how the beast sucked his blood tore him limb from limb and left no remains of him but the coat of many colors to carry the tidings and no doubt it added no little to the grief that he had exposed him by sending him and sending him all alone on this dangerous journey which proved so fatal to him this cuts him to the heart and he is ready to look upon himself as an accessory to the death of his son now one endeavors were used to comfort him his sons basely pretended to do it verse thirty five but miserable hypocritical comforters were they all had they really desired to comfort him they might easily have done it by telling him the truth joseph is alive he is indeed sold into egypt but it will be an easy thing to send thither and ransom him this would have loosened his sackcloth, and girded him with gladness presently. I wonder their countenance did not betray their guilt, and with what face they could pretend to condole with Jacob on the death of Joseph when they knew he was alive. Note, the heart is strangely hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. But, too, it was all in vain. Jacob refused to be comforted. Verse 35. He was an obstinate mourner, resolved to go down into the grave mourning. It was not a sudden transport of passion like that of David. Would well, God, I had died for thee, my son, my son. But, like Job, he hardened himself in sorrow. Note. 1. Great affliction to any creature does not prepare for so much the greater affliction, when it is either removed from us or embittered to us. Inordinate love commonly ends in immoderate grief. As much as the sway of the pendulum throws one way, so much it will throw the other way. 2. THOSE CONSULT NEITHER THE COMFORT OF THEIR SOULS NOR THE CREDIT OF THEIR RELIGION THAT ARE DETERMINED IN THEIR SORROW UPON ANY OCCASION WHATEVER. WE MUST NEVER SAY WE WILL GO TO OUR GRAVE MOURNING, BECAUSE WE KNOW NOT WHAT JOYFUL DAYS PROVIDENCE MAY YET RESERVE FOR US, AND IT IS OUR WISDOM AND DUTY TO ACCOMMODATE OURSELVES TO PROVIDENCE. 3. WE OFTEN PERPLEX OURSELVES WITH IMAGINARY TROUBLES. WE FANCY THINGS WORSE THAN THEY ARE, AND THEN AFFLICT OURSELVES MORE THAN WE NEED sometimes there needs no more to comfort us than to undeceive us it is good to hope the best two the ishmaelites and midianites having bought joseph only to make their market of him here we have him sold again with gain enough to the merchants no doubt to potiphar verse 36 joseph was lamenting the loss of his life had he known all he would have lamented though not so passionately the loss of liberty Shall Jacob's freeborn son exchange the best robe of his family for the livery of an Egyptian lord and all the marks of servitude? How soon was the land of Egypt made a house of bondage to the seed of Jacob? Note, it is the wisdom of parents not to bring up their children too delicately, because they know not to what hardships and mortifications providence may reduce them before they die. Jacob little thought that his ever-beloved Joseph would be thus bought and sold for a servant. End of chapter 37